Hello and welcome back to Goose on the Call. I am your host, TJ the Goose Ragusa. And if I look like shit and I sound like shit today, it's because I feel like shit. I am getting over a uh, double sinus infection and a lung infection right now. So that's the reason that I sound the way that I do. And um, obviously not ideally what you would want going into a fight week. Obviously this week we have Flex Fight Series 7 on Friday. That's going to be at the Stereo Garden in Patchogue. And um, I will not be on the call for that event. So uh, I suppose it's not that actually that bad that I'm having these uh, voice issues because I'm not going to be on the mic. I won't be on camera that night. But I will be in attendance. And there are some crazy fights I'm looking forward to seeing, namely the main event between Yasser, Lucio, and Mike Frezza. That's going to be for the amateur lightweight kickboxing title of Flex Fight Series. It's going to be a crazy fight. I got to see both of these guys fight before. And they're both forward-moving fighters, a lot of power. We'll get into more of that matchup a little bit later, but that fight is going to be absolutely fireworks, and there are a number of other fights on the card that I'm looking forward to getting into. But today we start with UFC 267, and we'll start right at the top. Glover Teixeira is a UFC champion at 42 years old, one of the more inspirational stories of the year, the way that he's managed to fight his way back, beating Smith, beating Santos, getting himself this title shot, waiting for the opportunity while Wahovich went out and fought out Asanya comes back in and pretty dominant performance. There was never a moment that the fight was really out of his control. It looked like Jan was probably going to be the better striker as predicted, but Glover able to maul him, get on top of him early in the, uh, in the first round again, and again in the second round, finding that rear naked choke submission. And um, again, a lot of people saw this coming. A lot of people didn't. It's, it's just such a strange thing. It seems like whenever Jan Blahovich is the underdog on the gambling money line, he comes through and he uh, surprises a lot of people, but as a favorite, I believe he's 0-3 in his last three. Um, interesting to see where he goes from here. Possibly Alexander Rakic is another uh, another fight that could make sense for him, but for Teixeira, it looks like this first defense is going to be against Yuri Prohaska, which I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to see Glover Teixeira in that fight just yet. I want to see him be able to get at least one title defense, but who knows, you know, he's been surprising us every step of the way for the last few years. He's obviously going to be an underdog in that matchup with Yuri, but interesting to see what happens. You know, there's a reason that they have these fights. Again, he was slated to lose this last one, and we will see how long Glover Teixeira will reign. Again, the 42-year-old becoming the oldest first-time champion in UFC history in the Glamour division at 205. Really interesting stuff, crazy stuff, and a really fun sight to see. I think no matter who won that fight, you probably would have felt good for the winner. Um, from there, the co-main event, Piotr Jan and Corey Sanhagen, the interim Bantamweight title. Unbelievable fight. Went back and forth. You ha I think you have to score the first round for Sanhagen, which most of the judges did. That scorecard went 49-46 across the board, which personally I thought was a little bit um, a little bit unfair to Sanhagen, at least in terms of that fifth round. It looks like looked like he was pushing the action. It looked like he was chasing what he needed to chase in order to win that fight. Um, maybe not as much of an intention to finish the fight as you would want to see at that point. You know, you had to figure he was down three rounds to one. I thought the second, third, and fourth round were pretty convincingly for Jan, but second round could have gone either way. I don't know. It was it was a crazy interesting fight, and I think Piotr Jan is just that face of the, – the word that people always use to describe him is stoic, and that's exactly what he looks like in the octagon, just stone face moving forward at least later on in the fights. I mean, again, this guy knows how to mix up his styles, but he also knows how to just continue to get better and better and better as the fight goes on. His cardio is incredible. And um, now we're just kind of waiting on Sterling. You know, we'll see exactly what happens with Aljo. Obviously he's had some complications from this next surgery, which 
Um, wishing him the best. Hopefully he can get back in there soon and we can have this fight to unify the belts. There has been some other talk uh, here and there, just kind of other opponents, maybe Rob Font slides into the mix or somebody else at Bantamweight, maybe TJ Dillashaw finally gets that shot as he did after all beat Sanhagen on paper, though a lot of people thought that fight did go Sanhagen's way. I, I think that's all conjecture at this point. I don't think this division can move on until Aljamain and Piotr have the unification bout. I think there are too many things going on there and just too much left to interpretation after the first time that they fought each other. So it'll be interesting to see that timeline. Maybe Sanhagen isn't ready to come back. Or I'm sorry, maybe Sterling wouldn't be ready to come back early enough for the time frame that Jan wants to fight in that kind of a situation. Maybe it is understandable that there could be another challenger who steps in in that situation, like a uh, CJ Dillashaw, like a Rob Font. But Time will tell. I mean, for now, let's sit here and just admire what the job that Piotr Jan was able to do in the Octagon on Saturday, this past Saturday, and uh, we'll see what happens going forward. And again, this, like, everyone's talking about the Bantamweight division as one of the best, most loaded divisions in the UFC right now. And I think when you move down the line, especially on this card too, look at Islam at, uh, at 155, Islam Makashev, the Kimura finish first round over Dan Hooker. Again, it's this man is the boogeyman I've been saying for a long time that I think he's kind of the uncrowned champ at 155 I don't really see too many ways that a lot of these other guys are able to compete with his grappling ability there's not much else in the way of like a grappling challenge for him at the top of this 155 pound division the best possibly Oliveira we'll see if he hangs on to the title as he is set to take on Dustin Poirier early next year going to be very interesting i mean that division is loaded from top to bottom you look at Oliveira, poirier mcgregor still sitting in the background i mean i don't know how relevant he really is to this conversation but benil darius is sitting there at the top this upcoming weekend at ufc 268 we have justin gaethje and michael chandler and what is an apparent title eliminator though islam would have something to say about that after this big win over dan hooker going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out i think saturday is going to loom large in the trajectory of this division as it moves forward and I'm very interested to see that. We'll get into, I don't want to speak too much just about the uh, the 268 card just yet, as we are going to get into that. Um, that card taking place this Saturday, November 6th at Madison Square Garden, right in our backyard here in New York. Won't be in attendance at that event like I had promised on Twitter that I would be. Um, got a uh, 80s theme party at my buddy's house for my birthday. And uh, I did not get the press credentials that I wanted to from the UFC. And I'm not sitting there trying to shell out 400 bucks for a ticket. So I will be watching on pay-per-view from the comfort of my buddy Fred's living room. Shout out to Fred. Um, Volkov and Tybora, I mean, that fight happened. <laughs> it was a fight. It was a heavyweight fight. Volkov did what pretty much we expected him to do. I think Tybora showed a little bit more on the feet than a lot of people were expecting, but that fight pretty much went as expected. And, I mean, you look at the top of this heavyweight division, I'm just not sure where Volkov goes from here. The Jorzinho Rosenstrike fight is there. I think that would be a really interesting stylistic matchup, but a few things need to happen if Volkov is going to make a legitimate run at this heavyweight title with so much going on up at the top. It could be interesting to see Volkov take on the winner or the loser of Derek Lewis versus Chris Dawkins. I know he obviously has the fight with Derek Lewis already in the past. It would be interesting to see that one run back. Again, that first fight, a very uh, very much a come-from-behind victory for Derek Lewis. It looked like Volkov was kind of dominating a lot of the fight, and then later in that third round, uh, 10 seconds left, actually. Wow, now this is all coming back to me. 10 seconds left in that fight, Derek Lewis lands the knockout shot, but up until then, it looked very much like Volkov was going to win it on the scorecard, so I would like to see that one run back, possibly another interesting matchup. But again, 
really just looking for options here for Volkov at this point. The guy wants to stay active and he wants to keep fighting, wants to keep working towards the title. So I think that's a fight that could make sense. I think Jarzinho could make sense. Um, time will tell. But another guy that I really want to talk about on this card, Hamza Shemaev, erasing all doubt. Everybody thinks, oh, he's got the COVID. He's, got, he's throwing up blood and everything in the sink. He's thinking about retiring. This guy came back in full force against the toughest opponent he's ever faced and made it look easy. This guy did everything he said he was going to do. He said, well, pretty much short of eating him. He said that he was going to eat Li Jingliang, and he did pretty much everything short of eating him that he could have done in that cage within a mixed martial arts rule set. At one point, literally holding Lee off the ground and yelling at Dana White for being on his phone during the fight. It's getting comical at this point. He's absorbed one strike in the UFC in four fights. And he now has a win over a top 10 guy or a top 15 guy. Rather, I believe Lee was ranked 11th going into this fight. And really there are no wrong answers as far as matchmaking for Hamza Shemaev at 170 pounds right now. I don't know if maybe you're Kamara Usman, you want to try to nip this in the bud before Hamza really starts elevating to his full form, because I don't believe that he's reached his full potential yet, but that fighter, Hamzat, at full form could be a more scary proposition for a guy like Usman. I think they match up much better right now at this point. Again, that's kind of a lofty goal. Hamzat called for the title shot as naturally you would, but he will smash anybody you put in front of him. I think Leon Edwards, I think Colby, after he possibly loses this uh, upcoming matchup with Usman. I mean, you guys obviously now know how I feel about that one. I, I do believe that Usman has covered more ground in the past couple of years than uh, than Colby has. But again, there's a reason that we have these fights. So we'll see what happens there. But a lot of really interesting fights up at the top of 170 as well. And some of those fights could include obviously Gilbert Burns doesn't have a fight booked right now. Leon and Jorge have their date. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Vicente Luque, that would be an absolutely crazy fight. I think there's so much pace coming from both of those guys. It's, there's just no way that that one escapes maybe the second round. That could be the first time we ever see Hamza go into the second round of a fight. In the, uh, in the UFC, I mean, Wonderboy Thompson doesn't have a date. I don't know if that's necessarily the best stylistic matchup or anything that would make sense for Thompson. But again, Hamza doesn't make sense for any of these guys. I mean, you're at this point putting your ranking on the line against a guy who has only been in the UFC for four fights, who you don't know what his true skill level is because he hasn't truly been tested yet. But again, every test that he's been faced with, he has passed with flying colors. I know Bilal Muhammad is another guy who has expressed some interest in this matchup, Neil Magny. But at this point, Hamzat would be moving backwards in the rankings by uh, looking at one of those two guys. I think the UFC, Dana, the brass are all pretty intent on getting him up to a title shot as soon as possible and kind of capitalizing on all the hype that he has behind him. So time will tell. It's going to be really interesting to see how they match him up going forward. Um, Magomed Ankalaev, another guy who I think is going to be a future contender in this 205-pound division. A clean decision over Volkan Ozdemir. I think a lot of people were really looking for Ankalaev to get a finish out of that fight, um, kind of establish himself as one of these like true top 10, top 5 kind of guys in the 205 division. But again, it was a clean win. There were not really many points that he was in danger. And Ozdemir is not an easy guy to get out of there. I think the only guys he's been finished by, at least as of late, were Cormier, he got knocked out by Yuri and uh, Anthony Smith, rear naked choke. So, again, a really tough guy to get out of there unless you're really one of these high-level guys. But a clinical performance from Ankalev. Um, one that I really – I think everybody is kind of talking about 
from this card and maybe not for the best reasons was Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos with a 29-26 clean sweep, or I think a couple of cards at 29-25 in there too, over Benoit Saint-Denis. Um, that fight should have been stopped. Uh, there's just no other way to say it. And I think that's a pretty obvious opinion. I'm stating the obvious when I say that fight should have been stopped in the second round. But when you have the head official, when you have people on commentary, when you have everyone in the building seemingly except for San Denis corner screaming for the fight to be stopped, you know there was a problem there. Um, it just gets scary. I mean, those are the fights that take years off of a guy's career, potentially off of his life. You never really know. Brain is a crazy thing. And this is one of those things that I always talk to or I point to when I look at MMA versus boxing, at least from a fighter's perspective, you know, there's a reason that we've seen so many people unfortunately pass away in boxing because they have these standing 10 counts where a guy can take ridiculous abuse and then is afforded a little bit of time to recover and then go back in there to take more abuse on what is already a battered skull and a battered brain, which is a delicate organ. And, um, you know, it's, these are just not the kind of things that you want to see in mixed martial arts. You want to see the referee get in there and stop the fight when one guy is clearly dominant and the other guy is clearly out of it. When someone's not fighting back and they're just continuing to take abuse, it's, it's just a really hard thing to watch. And it, um, it, it could potentially take away from Santini's ability to build back. So uh, I believe that was referee Kiselev, if I'm pronouncing his, uh, his last name correctly. Um, he was removed from his other assignment of the night, which would have been Ankalev versus Uzdemir. And uh, rightfully so. Um, just, uh, you know, it's, it sucks, but we do kind of see some weird judging and some weird officiating once you do get outside of the U.S. and the, uh, the UAE commission having a guy like that on there. I mean, who knows? It's, it's, I don't want to bring the commission into it necessarily and, or point fingers and say they should have had any kind of more oversight or they should have done a, a more thorough check of this guy in the background. I mean, I'm sure there have been other instances where this guy has let a fight go on too long if he was so comfortable to let this happen this time. But, you know, um, regardless of whose fault it is, that was just an ugly, ugly scene to watch. And I hope we don't ever have to see anything like that again. Um, in any case, you know, don't want to take away from Zaleski Dos Santos' performance or the toughness that Sandini showed in there. Benoit Sandini is a guy who's shown now that he can walk through some crazy fire and continue to stand as long as the official will let the contest go on. Lerone Murphy moves on to, I believe now, 11-0. Crazy, crazy knee knockout. Caught Amir Khani, timing coming in. Um, just got the read on it, man. They, every time he went switch stance, he saw that Amir Khani was shooting in kind of blind and head first. So he set it up, came in with that switch knee, and it was just, bam, man, right on the chin. I believe he landed like right here, kind of on the neck area, and Amir Khani was done right away. Um, really, really nice knockout from Lerone Murphy. And then I wanted to talk about Andre Petrosky, one of my favorite characters in the sport right now. This guy is hysterical. He was so much fun to get to know on The Ultimate Fighter, to see him take advantage of the opportunity to be featured on The Ultimate Fighter finale, win that fight, win this fight now over Yu Hao Zong, and, uh, and doing it by finish, too. I mean, in the third round, a guy who... You know, he was pretty much ahead on the on the cards. I thought it was pretty obvious, but never stopped fighting, and you love to see that. A guy chasing the finish, even though he feels like he's up in the third round. So Andre Petrosky, a really bright future. Maybe we get to see him fight against Battle or, uh, or Treshawn Gore after they get back together and, uh, and finish the business that they didn't get to finish on the Ultimate Fighter. So uh, really interesting to see how that plays out in the future. And uh, Petrosky... Probably a threat in this welterweight division, or I'm sorry, in this middleweight division. Uh, Going to be very fun to watch him continue to progress as a fighter in the UFC. 
And now moving on to my published gambling advice on scotobets.com. Uh, just a few plays this week. A couple of props were really the only singles, and then we had a parlay in play. Um, also had a uh, straight money line pick on Amanda Hebas. So that one was minus 165. Put five units on that to win 3.03 units. That one cashed. Uh, Islam Makashev to win inside the distance at plus 160 cashed for 1.6 units. That was a one-unit wager. Another value play, uh, Piotr Jan by decision was plus 150. Nailed that at one unit to win 1.5. Uh, the losses on the night were Blahovich by knockout or technical knockout at plus 110, lost two units on that one. And we had a home run parlay in play that missed just by the last leg. That was Ibas, Ankalaev, Volkov, Jan, and the loser on that parlay was Blahovich. Maybe that's why we want to limit these parlays down to three or four legs. But uh, would have been a 10.53 unit win if Blahovich was able to pull out that defense. However, Bad read on my part, and we uh, we were lost two units on that one, two and a half units actually. So the grand total on the night, one point six three unit win, not huge, but we'll take it. We're in the green there. So once again, another card in the green. Five of our last seven in the green. Really nice uh, to get that little string of wins going there. Um, just staying positive here. I mean, look, I mean, not every card is going to be like two sixty six where we netted thirty point one six units, but hey, we'll take a win where we can get it, and we got a win there. So. Uh, hope you're riding with us. We're going to have some more picks going into UFC 268 this upcoming weekend. Hopefully we'll make you guys some more money. All right. So with that, let's get into our preview of this upcoming week's Flex Fight Series card. Flex Fight Series 7 Battle Garden is going to take place at the Stereo Garden in Patchogue this Friday, November 5th. And doors are going to be at 530 for that. You can get tickets to that event via the link in my Instagram bio. You can also pre-order the pay-per-view via the link in my Instagram bio. Go to flexfights.com. This fight card, again, being headlined by Yasir Lucio Ahmed versus Mike Frezza in our first ever lightweight kickboxing title. And we could not have a more exciting matchup, in my opinion, for this fight. Both of these guys undefeated as amateurs so far in their kickboxing careers. Both young guys with a lot of power. Both orthodox fighters, they're going to have that nice mirroring stance. And both guys throw that right hand like their lives depend on it. Every strike is with intent. Big, not necessarily looping shots, but powerful shots from both sides. It's always very interesting to me when you see these guys early in their careers who manage to keep that power, but keep it tight, you know, keep those elbows in, really manage to circle away from the opponent's power side. I think we're going to see a really advanced and high-level dance between these two guys, especially for an amateur kickboxing title fight. Both of these guys, I think, are future professionals. Again, a really interesting stylistic matchup that, most fans are not anticipating this going very long. Again, between these two guys, three career fights together, they have three wins by knockout. So someone's O has got to go. It's going to be a really interesting fight to watch, a very powerful, high-stakes fight. You're not going to want to take your eyes off of it for a moment. And uh, if you're in the crowd with me at Flex Fight Series 7, you're probably going to feel a couple of grabs and claws at your leg because I am just going to be so nervous for every second of that fight. High level, high stakes, going to be a lot of fun to watch. Also fighting in kickboxing on this card is going to be Brianna Nightingale. She comes back after making her debut win by TKO at the last Flex Fight Series event. That was 160-pound catchweight. This one going to be five pounds lighter at lightweight. And she'll be taking on Cameron Pollard, the vanilla thriller, who comes in 3-1 and one as a mixed martial artist, but now testing out her abilities in the kickboxing realm. This is going to be a really interesting fight as well. Again, both women possessing a lot of power. Pollard has three wins in mixed martial arts. Two of those wins have come by finish from strikes. So a really powerful girl is Cameron Pollard, and we know that Brianna Nightingale has power. She was able to 
walk forward and win that last fight of hers, her career debut. So a really interesting, really powerful high stakes matchup. Again, a lot of finishing power at the top of this card. Another lightweight kickboxing feature on the main card is going to be Erling Collado versus Jonathan Matos. And really interesting matchmaking here. Jonathan Matos on August 27th, he had a uh, draw decision with Daquan Malone also at Flex Fight Series at our August 27th event. So Erling Collado, another guy who in August had a draw on a, one of our kickboxing cards in his career debut. That was against David Pardo. So two guys who had draws in their debut, you know, things that they did well, things that they could work on. Both guys, I think, stylistically are going to want to stay on the outside here and kind of work a lot of their kicks. That's what I saw out of uh, both of them, at least in their first couple of fights. So again, a really interesting stylistic matchup. Guys who like to fight similar styles as kickboxers who uh, to this point in their careers have had similar levels of success. So really strong matchmaking here and a really interesting fight to get to watch. On this main card, we also have a very interesting middleweight uh, mixed martial arts feature that's going to feature Raris Dragomir and Carlos Torres. Now, Dragomir comes into this fight 1-0 as an amateur. He has a first-round stoppage by knockout over Jeremy Soriano at the August 13th Flex Fight Series event. Carlos Torres comes in now at 4-1 as an amateur. He's on a three-fight winning streak uh, with some very impressive names on that list. He has a guillotine choke over Anthony Orema. Uh, he has a win over Mackenzie Haddon. He also beat Mike Basile at the June 27th event with Jack Hammer Productions. So really, uh, really high-level fight coming in here at mix, in the mixed martial arts realm. Middleweights, these guys are big. They have a lot of power. Seeing what they've been able to do so far in their careers, this makes for a really interesting matchup, and I'm excited to see it. And again, those are just four of the crazy, crazy fights that we have coming up on this card in addition to those four fights, we're going to get to see Devin Dickens versus Ayad Ibrahim, an amateur welterweight mixed martial arts feature. Also have a uh, novice feature in mixed martial arts. That one's going to be at featherweight between James Kovarik and Charlie, Charlie Cabrera. Uh, David Pardo is going to make his return as well. Uh, now has two fights in the kickboxing realm with Flex Fight Series. He's going to be taking on Vinny Melillo. Uh, Kyle Troyan and Kaha Majaraja are going to be fighting an amateur welterweight feature. And Kaja is a guy who I got to see fight at the Combat Carnival event. Um, he had a knockout win uh, disqualified because of illegal strikes on the ground. But this one is going to be outside of novice rules. We no longer have to worry about that. And he's a very, very high level guy. Uh, really interested to see what he's able to do working out of AMA, uh, another very high level gym. So uh, we will see about his fight as well as. In a middleweight kickboxing feature, we're going to get to see Ruel Purge versus Matthew Tribal. Uh, very fun fight there. Christopher Numa will be taking on Tornike Nagliashvili in an amateur novice featherweight mixed martial arts feature. And that will bring us to a total of 10 fights. There is one more, the names of which I do not have just yet. We have 11 total fights on this card. Weigh-ins will be today, Thursday, November 4th. And uh, you can catch that action via the Flex Fight Series Instagram account. So head on over there if you haven't already. Hopefully you're listening to this early in the morning and you'll be able to go catch that starting at 11 o'clock. But whether or not you're able to catch the weigh-ins, the real action is what's going to be most important. Again, on Friday, November 5th, we are going to have unbelievable action. 11 total fights, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, all at the amateur level. Really exciting stuff from the Stereo Garden in Patchogue. Hope you're able to make it. If not, hope you're able to catch the pay-per-view. Hopefully, I'll get to see you there. All right, so now let's get into the interviews. The first of which I have for you today is a follow-up with Marco Berriondo. After his victory over Naquan Calderon, he won that 
career debut that we were talking about in the first episode. He won that fight by armbar in the second round, but there was a lot more to it than that. And he's going to fill us in on that as well as some other things that are going on in his personal career, as well as around the Warriors Nation gym. Uh, let's get to that right now. All right, so I'm back here with Marco Berriando following his huge submission victory in the second round by armbar over Naquan Calderon at Flex Fight Series 4. And uh, Marco, you're also the first repeat guest of the show. How are you feeling today? Today's Monday and uh, following the fight. You look good. How do you feel? I feel delicious, man. You know, like I went out there, I did my thing. I felt in my element, you know, for the first time in a while, I felt like uh, I expected to be there, you know? Absolutely. And we had spoken about that a little bit leading up to the fight, you know, how, um, how the preparation was leading into, um, like you said, being feeling more prepared than you had ever been for a fight. You felt like you had already won the fight going into it. And obviously that showed in the fight with the big result. And, um, and what were you seeing when you got in there? Obviously, there were a couple of things that had happened. But, um, you know, early in the fight, it kind of went a little bit back and forth. How did that all play out? Yeah, so, um, you know, like, everything was calm. Like, he was calm in the beginning. Like, you know, when we were getting our hands wrapped, everything. Like, he even dapped me up, you know. Uh, then, like, right before we were walking out, uh, he was the first one to walk out. And so, like, he was waiting there. And then they had us in the back. So then. Um, one of his, like, his people's, like, just turned around and started saying some shit. And then my dad, like, like responded. And then that's low-key, like, what kind of got to me. I was like, you know what? Like, bro, you're not about to sit here and talk shit to my dad. I told him, like, uh, he said some shit. And then I was like, fuck you, bro. I'll take you next in the cage. You know, like, all this stuff. So we had, like, a, a big back and forth. And it just kept rising and rising. And then um, it got to the point where, like, they literally had to grab the current and, like, separate us, you know? So, um, like... I don't know, like, like uh, it was just such a big thing where it was just like, fuck it, let's just calm down. My coach was like, hey, don't get worked up. That's what they're trying to do. Um, you know, like maybe he feels nervous and now they're just trying to mentally attack you. You know, so I was like, all right, cool. Usu, like, let me breathe. Like, let me calm down. Um, you know, I looked at my dad. My dad was like infuriated. My dad was like, yo, I'm about to get on myself. You know, and I, like, I just looked at him. I was like, take it easy, man. Like, it's our first one. Let's take it chill. Um, I looked at my team. I was like, yo, thank you for supporting me, but let's relax. You know, I'm about to go in there and I'm about to make a statement. So um, we relaxed and stuff. His boy was still staring at me. So, I, you know, I did taunt him a little. I gave him like a little wink, you know, like I'm going to take care of him, you know, all this stuff. Uh, and that was pretty much it where, like before the fight. You know, once we got into Octagon, it was a different situation. Absolutely. And like you mentioned, you know, this is your debut. It's his debut. Um, it's an early time in your career to be facing a challenge like that kind of mental warfare and just, you know, um, in general kind of nonsense coming from the other guy and the other team and everything. And you mentioned the support from Warriors Nation and, um, and how you were able to handle that situation. Now, how does, how does that thought process go when you're in, the, you're in the back, you're trying to get ready for this fight? You might have nerves, you might not, but these guys are trying to get inside your head. How do you kind of stay within yourself and know, you know, I'm going to handle this in the cage. That was something that you said that, uh, that kind of stuck with me that you kept it in your mind that whole time. Hey, we're about to fight for real. Let's just get in there and handle our business. You know? So I don't know if you know about dogs, but you ever like heard of a chihuahua? Oh, of course. Yeah, I have one. She's actually crawling on my feet right now. <laughs> she's a papillon, but she's a small dog, basically the same as a chihuahua. <laughs> yeah. So they're very cute. You know, they're, they're very like adorable, they, but they bark a lot. They do a lot of barking. And even if they do bite you, it's like a little nibble, you know? So I felt like uh, it was all talk, no bite. You know what I mean? So for me, in my head, I'm just like, there's no point in, like, you know, giving them some blah, 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 and then going into it, and I'm not even going to hit you. Like, I'd rather give you something that's more effective and, like, inflict that on you 
than just tell you like a couple words that's not gonna do me any good. You get what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't work hard just to sit here and do what I could have done in the street. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like you said, you know, we're leading up to an organized fight here. There's no reason to kind of get into it in the back or whatever. But mental warfare and everything aside, you did go into the cage and, like we said, handled your business first, second round submission by armbar. And um, let's talk us through the win, man. Exactly how did that go? You know, from the opening bell, I understand there was already some drama that spilled over from behind the cage. And then um, obviously the fight went into the second round. You were able to finish it there. Uh, can you talk me through how your thought process went through those first couple of rounds? Yeah. So the first round, um, I, I'm a very calm dude, you know, like at the end of the day, I'm gonna respect you if you're standing across from me. Like if we're seeing eye to eye to be able to fight each other, I got the utmost respect for you, you know, cause you took your time of the day or you had enough like uh, faith in your skill level to be able to face me, you know? So I like, uh, like I humble myself when it comes to that. So what I did was I, I was like, Hey bro, like we're touching gloves. And he said, yeah. So when I went to touch gloves, he like, he pump fake the, the touch of the gloves and he hit me with an overhand. But I kind of like, like saw it coming. So I kind of looked away and pushed off a little bit. So it skinned me. But then um, he started, he kept talking shit after he did that. He was like, what's up? Like, what's up? this and this? So I was like, fuck you. And then I took him down, you know? And then, um, yeah. So like, so I felt good about that because um, the commentators were saying it too. Because I did like, I, this is probably like the 30th time I watched my fight. Just because I, I, I feel like I have a lot of work on it as well. But um, the commentator said it too, like that was not cool or like, you know, oh, they're talking shit to each other. But look at that. Marco responded with a takedown. And, um, you know, once I once I got on top, like I said, like uh, in our in our pre-interview, you know, like I did tell you I was going to close that distance, take him to the ground and mow him. And um, that's pretty much exactly what I did through the first round. I was just aiming to beat up his body, look to get those big uh, significant body shots. Um, you know, uh, once I eventually did end up getting on uh, on top, and like getting on full mount and getting that head and arm choke that he got saved by the bell, you know? So that like, I was a little upset about that cause I did want to, you know, finish in the first round, but that's where you got to like pull through and say, Hey, you know, you do have your ups and downs. Not everything's going to be perfect. Um, so I thought about it the second round, uh, Xavier came in, Andrew came in, they were talking to me like, Hey bro, you got to do this. You got to do that. And I was like, yes, I got you guys. And then like, even before they were like, all right, you guys are going to go ready to fight. I, was just, I threw the bench out. I was like, yo, I want to get back up. So I stood up and I was like, yo, you got to chill, man. You're going to get in there. Um, but, you know, I like, I like that adrenaline and confidence in your cardio, in your technique, like, you know, just that constant drive of, yo, I don't need this break right now. You know, it felt like I, like I wanted to go back and do it. So once they told us that, uh, we went into it. I, I, you know, I was baiting with the jab, threw an inside kick. Um, he, like – he did like a throw overhand and I just changed my level, picked him up, took him for some air time, uh, got him down. Um, once I, again, once I got on full mount, uh, I felt good. I was just beating up his ribs, uh, aiming like for those significant punches. Um, and then I baited, like I was going to hit him in the face and he kind of got scared. So he put his hand up and then I grabbed his hand, pushed it to the mat, got my shin over his forearm. Um, and then I picked up his head, scooped it up. And then I started uh, scooting up a little bit and then I locked in the triangle um, but I did know, like, everybody's constant reaction is roll out. You get what I mean? And that's what he ended up doing. And then I uh, – so I ended up scooping in between his forearm with my thumb. So I started from this part of his arm and worked my way up. So as I scooped up, once I felt the lock, I, I remember, like, any anytime you want a, uh, the break, it's the point of the pinky. So I grabbed that, I pulled it, and I, uh, I, I – he says it didn't break, you know, and, like, I respect that he says it doesn't break. But um, it definitely was dislocated because, like – you know, the video shows like a 90 degree angle of his elbow. 
um, and stuff of that sort. I wish him like a speedy recovery because, uh, you know, he does have heart to be able to become a great fighter. And that, um, that really shows a lot about you right there. I think a couple of things that you said in that last statement, like how you said finishing up, you know, first of all, you know, it's like you said, it's a sport and it's a, it's a sport of respect and you do um, show a lot of grace there in hoping that your partner uh, or your opponent rather is going to make a speedy recovery, recover from that injury. And you also mentioned earlier um, your version of the mental warfare while your opponents might've been, you know, and his teammates um, doing it verbally behind the, uh, behind the curtains before the fight starts, your mental warfare came in the form of, uh, of throwing the, the stool to the side and getting ready for the uh, second round before anybody else was ready for it, you know, and having that yeah. confidence in your cardio, like you mentioned, and having that preparation, can you speak a little bit to how that helped to, uh, to earn you this victory? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, like a big thing, like, was like, I hate cardio. Like I hate running, you know? And the thing was like, when I'm running, I like, so we run the bridge a lot cause our, our location is in Dumbo. So that bridge is right there. And, um, sometimes you're like you're coming back on your way back and you're just like damn like you know like I'm feeling tired or I got this little like wind in my in my rib or something of that sort and you just you mentally have to train yourself like I got to push through like the things that I'm working for are beyond that not even at the end of this bridge but beyond that and so like sometimes I'll be running and I'll start slowing down hell constantly building that mentality kind of gave me like I, I honestly didn't feel tired after my after that second round like, I, I like, because I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, were you gassed? Were you not gassed? Like, and I just felt, honestly, I felt delicious. Like, I felt like my cardio was good. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't display a lot of my striking, but uh, definitely, like, I told everybody, I don't think there's any point in, you know, uh, playing patty cake with the guy as opposed to just sticking to what I'm good at and just taking him down and, you know, dominating the whole fight. There's, it's like, a, it's like a game of chess. You know, you're not going to sit here and, uh, you know, give up your, your horse or your king or your queen. You know, like, might as well just use your pawns. Like, you don't have to go and be flashy, you know. Like, it's just quick and easy, I guess. Exactly. Like we mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, staying within yourself and understanding what you're good at and really developing those skills is so important at this level. And that's something that you were able to do this weekend, uh, getting in there. Obviously, you mentioned the grappling, the wrestling history, the jujitsu history. Um, you know what you're good at, and you were able to really put out a near-perfect performance with it. So now using that to kind of look forward, are there any opponents that are kind of on your mind? Is there anybody, um, any dates that you have in mind, anybody in, the, in your sights? I understand there was one of uh, Naquan's teammates who was, uh, was talking a little bit of shit to you backstage, and you had mentioned, you know, hey, I'll take you out too. Is that a guy who you might be interested in fighting? Listen, man, uh, like, like I said, um, you know, I, in my post-fight uh, you know, speech, I did say, like, Anybody they put in front of me, I'm going to take them out. And that's the thing, like, I, I will. And when that time comes, I definitely will take them out. But um, for now, I love jujitsu, man. I love grappling, you know. And I have a, a super fight coming up with Men of War. So I will be doing that uh, hopefully in October. Um, as far as performing in MMA, I'm definitely going to take a fight soon. But it's just, like, I, I love to perform the way I performed that night. You know, I don't, I don't want any, like, wiggle room or anything of that sort. So there's no rush in taking another MMA fight. I want to be a well, uh, well-rounded fighter and uh, work on a couple things that I, cause even though winning the fight, there was a thousand things that I know in my heart and in my mind I could work on because um, next time I step in that stage, I want to like uh, put on a great performance, you know, like I, I want to win the crowd over again, you know, um, and I want to do it in style. There's no point in, you know, giving it like 75% of what I got when I got a whole arsenal that I could pull up with the next fight, you know? 
Absolutely. So you want to take some time, um, a little bit to continue developing your skills on the ground, continue developing your skills standing and come back into the cage as a, um, an even more improved fighter, even more ready to have success in the mixed martial arts world. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. So you mentioned that men of war fight. Is that, you said that's going to be coming up in October? Yes. Yes, it is. I believe October. Oh, I'm not mistaken. And so is that a, uh, that's going to be one bout, right? That wouldn't be a tournament or anything. No, no. Yeah. So it's a super fight. So it's one bout. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So uh, looking forward to that. Do you know who the, uh, who the opponent's going to be in that fight yet? Or do you know, um, like how you're going to I don't know. But uh, one thing I do want to say is like the jujitsu community, like I love it, bro. Like, cause there's no hard feelings. You know what I mean? Like everybody's like, Oh cool. We're rolling. You know, like you even dap the guy up, you know? So it's pretty cool stuff. But um, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, I love rolling. Like I said, um, and de definitely, uh, you'll definitely see a different game as opposed to, and a different approach as far as uh, MMA and uh, jiu-jitsu. Absolutely. And um, we always talk about that tight-knit group that you guys have at Warriors Nation. What is the, uh, what's the vibe in the gym like now? You know, obviously you guys had a few wins on Friday night. Um, you mm -hmm. and Iqbal had the big win by knockout. Um, so kind of where, where does that balance lie right now with, like, within the gym, celebrating those wins and everybody else kind of learning from what you guys were able to do and carrying that into their next fights? Yeah, so um, one thing I do want to say is like our family is like very supportive of each other. So obviously when we won, it was like, it's a win for everybody. You know, like it's not I won, it's we won. You get what I'm saying? So, um, you know, like we're very grateful for each other. Uh, there is a lot of construction going on in our facility, but we're back at it today. Like today I'm not going to be training because uh, I have like school, you know, I have a couple other things I have to do. But um, everybody's back in the lab. And like I told them, um, I'm not coming back to the gym like I won. I'm coming back to the gym like I lost and I have a million things to uh, work hard for, you know, because um, our game could constantly be improving. And for my future opponents, I know you guys are out there watching and, like, looking at my opponents' fights. And, like, I know you guys are going to be studying me, but my game's just going to get better. You know, as far as my teammates, like, there's a million things that we're going to be working on together. And we're definitely coming out for you guys. And, um, you know, it's not just one thing. It's not just jiu-jitsu. It's not just wrestling. Like, you know, we're going to come out with some flashy stuff. And I believe in my teammates to be able to go out there and represent us and themselves. Absolutely, man. And that's, we always talk about it. That's one of my favorite things about your gym and about you guys. And one of the reasons that I love to, uh, to watch you guys fight so much and get to have these conversations with you. So, um, you know, kind of, if there's anything else you want to leave off with just for now, you know, obviously I'm looking forward to seeing all those fights in October. I'm looking forward to seeing plenty of Warriors Nations guys back in the cage. I'm going to be looking forward to your fight. And I understand there are a few other guys from uh, Warriors Nation going to be fighting on the, uh, the Men of War Super Fight card. Um, is there any, any final messages you want to give to the people before we sign off? I just want to say uh, thanks for supporting me. Uh, definitely look out for me. I'm going to be an issue in this MMA world. Um, you know, and just for Abra Humble, then for my opponents, I love you guys and I respect you guys. But at the end of the day, once we get in, it's a war. It's a great message to send, man. Marco Barriando, again, the first repeat guest of Goose on the Call. Also a winner by submission Friday night at Flex Fight Series 4. 1-0 now as an amateur mixed martial artist. Looking to build on that career. Sure. Looking forward to seeing you in there again, Marco. Thank you, Willis. Have a good one. You too, brother. All right. Thank you very much to Marco. It's always a pleasure to speak with him. Great to have him on the show again and speak about some of the things that are going on at Warriors Nation. To fill us in a little bit more about everything that went down behind the scenes with the Naquan Calderon fight. I'm looking forward to getting to see Marco fight again in his submission grappling event this month, as well as hopefully in December with Flex Fight Series. We'll see about all that. Um, for now, I have another interview for you today. This one with Danny Maldonado, a teammate of Marco Barriando. Danny is 
a professional fighter who uh, spoke to me a little bit before his previous fight against David Giuliano with Maverick MMA last month. So this was uh, some of the things that he had to say going into that. And I thank him for taking the time to sit down and speak with me as well. All right. So I am here with Danny Maldonado, the two-time Triton Fights flyweight champion, currently the number five ranked flyweight in the state of New York, fighter out of Warriors Nation. Danny, how are you doing today? Good, man. How you doing? Can't complain. Things are good. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. So we were talking a little bit before about how um, this is going to be your first fight with Warriors Nation, and um, you had come from a different gym before that. Can you talk a little bit about that transition and what was so attractive about the Warriors Nation guys and, uh, and Coach Xavier Pagan? Yeah, I mean, um, I was always uh, like, like I, I was bouncing around gyms, especially with COVID. Things got shut down, so there was no really like places to go. So um, I used to like teach at a gym, and I would have all these pro fighters and amateur fighters come just spar and just like you know under the table nobody knew about it so then uh warriors nation before they were actually i think warriors nation so like just a group of their guys came and we just bonded and i was like oh these guys are pretty cool and they had like this uh this kind of family-esque thing going on so like you know they were very positive they had a, a lot of young talented guys and you know like our personalities they we meshed together so I decided, like, these are these are the guys I want to be with. These guys are, are super talented. They're super cool. Uh, they're super uh, humble people. So I just want to be a part of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've heard that from a lot of the other guys who have interviewed from your gym. And that family mentality is something that keeps coming up. Can you speak a little bit more about that point? Yeah, I feel like there's no egos in the gym. Like, I mean, everybody has their thing. Like, you got good wrestlers. You got good strikers. You got good jits guys. Uh, but at the, end of, at the end of the day, we're all here to help each other out. And a lot of gyms, like, a lot of gyms say they do that, but they don't. Like, I've been at really solid gyms, like, all over the East Coast, and um, they promote that, but they don't really have that. Like, this gym actually does have that. Like, everybody wants, everybody wants to win, but we don't do it in, like, an ego way. Like, we're all trying to help each other out, you know, get the shit off our back. So that's, like, kind of the glue that holds this team together. Absolutely. And I've heard a bunch of um, a bunch of those different stories about like the team bonding mentality and the different activities you guys do together. I know you have like beach days. Sometimes you guys run the uh, the bridge in Dumbo, right? Over yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't run that bridge. I hate that shit. I'm not running that bridge. <laughs> oh, man, that's too funny. But um, so now we'll talk a little about a little bit about the transition from amateur to pro. Obviously, you were a two time Tritons fight champion as a uh, as an amateur and a little bit of a rocky start here to your professional career. Can you talk about like how that's uh, how that's kind of gone for you? Yeah, I mean, um, so I was a, I was a Triumph Fights flyweight champion, and then I turned pro. Um, I had a fallout with another gym. Um, so I was kind of, when I turned pro, I kind of uh, started running my own camps. I would go to different gyms and train, and I think I knew it all, which was my biggest downfall, because obviously I don't. I used to run my own, um, my own, I used to do my own weight cuts, my own strength and conditioning, my own sparring. and obviously having a job and also teaching MMA too, it was a lot on my plate. So I feel like that transition kind of stumbled me out the gate. I didn't, I didn't do so well in a lot of personal things, but honestly, like the transition to pro is like this once longer rounds, but two, you need a team and a foundation to kind of manage your progress. I didn't have that. So I feel like anybody that wants to turn pro, like you have to make sure that you have, you know, everything in order. Like now I have a sports doctor, who takes care of my strength and conditioning, takes care of my diet. I have a team. I have amazing coaches like Xavier and Hansel. 
uh, that, you know, monitor my training. You know, obviously, like, there's some days I go hard, and they'll be like, you know what, take a day off. Like, I never had that. I used to always overtrain. So it's like the transition is just having a better team and, and, and like, you know, outside resources like a doctor or, like, a, a coach for strength and conditioning. That always helps. So that transition, like, you know, unfortunately, I got it now, but I took, I took you know, three L's in very competitive fights to make me learn uh, this tough lesson. Awesome. And, uh, and you mentioned having that kind of structure and the, um, and the team behind you. Is that something that you would say you've gotten from Warriors Nation and having that transition now, getting ready to kind of take this, uh, this second win in your professional career if you have? If you yeah. I'm, I, mean, um, I mean, the structure is very important. I feel like that gym has everything you need under one roof, but it's more like it's not just the training. It's more like, you know, after training, you'll have a conversation with your coach. Like, Yo, what I do wrong? What I do right? should I take a day off what I need to work on? And it's kind of like, they're not gonna, they're not gonna shoot code. They're going to be like, Hey, listen, you messed up here. You messed up here. You need to get better. And it's not, there's no yes man in this gym. It's all like, you need to do this. You did this right. You did this wrong. Now let's improve. So that's, that's kind of like something that I love about this gym. And I will represent this gym till the day I retire. That's great to hear. And how does, um, how does that give you confidence going into this next fight? We mentioned you have this upcoming fight with Maverick MMA on September 25th. Um, what, what is going into that fight with this newfound, um, this newfound regiment, this new team behind you, all this support? How much confidence does that give you going into this now? Uh, a lot of confidence because I know that you know, everything is being worked on. Like game plan is solid. You know, the preparation is solid. The strength and condition is solid. Like my cardio is on point strongest and most explosive I've ever been uh all the coaches are willing to help and we're all on the same page I feel like there's uh a lot of gyms have uh was it not enough teeth a lot of these what are on them stupid quotes but it was just a lot of people just like got their hands in, in in the plate but everybody here is just organized everything is super organized everything is super on point and, and that's the structure that you need to be confident to step in there that you know that things got done 100%, man. And now, talking a little bit more about this upcoming fight on September 25th, have they given you an opponent yet? Do you know who you're going to be fighting? Yeah, I'm fighting uh, David Giuliano. I was supposed to fight him five times, actually. Um, really? He was supposed to be my amateur debut, and then he pulled out because of a cut, so I ended up fighting somebody else on two days' notice. Uh, when I was a champion for Triton, I was supposed to defend my title against him but something didn't work out. And then when he was a champion at Maverick as an amateur, I was supposed to fight him for his belt. And then we were supposed to fight twice in the pros. That never happened. So now it's kind of like, we're here now. So now we got to fight. Awesome. And we're only three weeks away from that fight now. And being so familiar with this guy, you know, you've prepared for him so many times in the past. Does that also lend you some confidence going into this fight, knowing like you've seen what he can do, you know what he's going to be about, and, uh, and you kind of have your own game plan going into it? Yeah, I mean, like, one, we're actually friends. He's a nice guy. Like, we talk a lot. Um, we even actually talked, like, last week, and we're fighting. So it's like, he's a very nice guy, and I know he's super talented. He has a really uh, good ground game. So he's a, he's a really good grappler. Uh, he comes from a solid team. Um, but I don't see um, anything that I'm worried about. I feel like I'm super prepared, so I don't see how I could lose this fight uh, wherever it goes. Absolutely. So you feel like you're going to have the advantage everywhere, the grappling, the striking, the uh, when we get into the clinch, every part of this fight, you feel like you have the uh, the upper hand here. Yeah, because I feel like his strongest uh, basis is grappling, but that's also 
my strongest base. Uh, luckily, in my uh, athletic career, I was a 20-time grappling gold medalist. Um, I trained with some of the best grapplers in the world. So, uh, like in Dan and her death squad kind of guys. So, it's like I'm super prepared, and I've always been super on point on the ground. Absolutely. And now you mentioned having that high-level competition, the high-level training partners, and surrounding yourself with talent. At Warriors Nation, you mentioned you have a bunch of guys who help each other out stylistically. And can you kind of speak more to that dynamic about how guys are helping each other fill in the gaps there and what that's doing for you going into this fight? Yeah, so, like, I feel like I've always um, – my striking always could have improved. Uh, but now it's actually, like, where I want it to be, uh, besides this little thing on my face. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we got some super, uh, like, high-level uh, strikers. We got some wrestlers, guys that have been wrestling for a long time. We have some talented just guys, so it's just like there's so much skill in that gym that like if you if you're neglecting one thing, like it's it's there for you to fix it. If you like feel like you you need help with this, the resources are all there, so you have no choice but to become well rounded, or you're gonna get smoked in the gym. Absolutely, it's killer be killed in there, right? And that's one of those things that I think really helps to contribute to a strong gym dynamic. And another thing that really can help contribute to that is when you said we keep mentioning the high-level coaches um, and Xavier Pagan, one of the things that I always hear about him as a striking coach is that a lot of things um, that he teaches are really focused on the finer points, right? Like the finer points of footwork and the finer points of the fundamentals, staying away from the power hand, that sort of thing. Can you speak to how that's helped to develop some of uh, your striking ability? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big advocate in footwork. Like I love footwork. And, and like, since he also does kind of like we, we just click and like, his whole style of striking is like, I fell in love with it. It's beautiful. It's like, you can just knock somebody out and you're not going to get hit once. And, and that's what it's all about, it's about getting uh, hit, hitting and not getting hit. And I feel like we clicked uh, since day one. That's my brother for life. And just like what, like he's never even fought before, but he has so much knowledge that it's like, you have no choice but to like gravitate towards his, his skill. 100%. And really, he is a high-level coach, and you have a bunch of high-level coaches and training partners over at Warriors Nation. And they're also helping you prepare for another fight a little bit further down the road, right? In December, you're going to be fighting again with Flex Fight Series. Yeah, I'm excited because uh, I was supposed to fight for Flex or Slash Triton in March, and that was going to be my, my pro debut for them. And then my opponent pulled out the day of the fight, uh, which sucked. Uh, so now that they're Flex, now they have like a lot of you know, the, the production's off the hook, so I can't wait to walk out and have my own highlight video and all that other stuff since, uh, you know, that's exciting. Certainly, and I think you are uh, going to be a star there and in, uh, in every promotion that you compete in, and I'm excited to watch you fight again. Are there any closing thoughts that you want to give to everybody before we sign off here, Danny? Uh, just, you know, uh, just don't give up. I mean, I'm 0-3. I'm I had super competitive fights, and I was a broken man. Uh, you know, in my personal life. So the fact that I was able to still fight shows that like, you know, you gotta have some heart and you can't give up. And um, I'm looking to make a statement in these next two fights or whatever fights I have. And shout out to Warriors Nation, shout out to my brother Xavier. And um, yeah, we're gonna do big things. And yeah, so we're gonna, and thank you for your time, by the way. Thank you for your time, Danny. I'm really looking forward to seeing you complete that cycle of perseverance and just not giving up on yourself. It's an incredible story. And uh, I'm really excited to see you go out there and get that first professional win, my brother. Hey. Cheers, man. Thanks for joining me. All right. So thank you very much to Danny and Marco for giving those interviews. And with that, we're going to move into a preview of UFC 268 this Saturday, November 6th at MSG Madison Square Garden, New York City. 
headlined by Usman versus Covington too, and there's just so much to unpack here. So let's start right at the top. Colby Covington, Kamara Usman going to have the rematch here. I cannot wait to watch this. The first fight that they had is my second favorite fight of all time uh, behind Wei Li Zhang and uh, and Yoani Jacek. We'll also get to see Wei Li get her rematch against Rose Namajunas here. But again, Colby and Kamara, that first fight was so crazy, so back and forth, and they stylistically were just so complimentary of each other that it just served to have this crazy, crazy fight where both guys had their moments. And again, Usman with the definitive finish, as he says, he broke Kobe Covington's face, and he did. But just a crazy, crazy fight, and I'm really hoping that this one will go a pretty similar way, but it's it's going to be really fun to watch because it's going to be a measure of like how far each of these guys have come since the since the first title fight. When I look at it from kind of like just breaking down a prediction standpoint, Colby Covington is he's had one fight since that first fight. That was against Tyron Woodley. And when I watched that fight, did I really see anything that I didn't think he had prior to that? Like, I don't know if there was necessarily so much of a progression there. I think what um, what Tyron's level of success was towards the end of his career kind of speaks to, you know, just how maybe not so great of a win that was. But Colby still did what he had to do in that fight and looked like how he's looked in the past, looked dominant. His pressure was incredible, and that's what makes him a great fighter. When I look at Kamara Usman's last couple of fights against Jorge Masvidal twice against Gilbert Burns, he's shown a level of progression in each of those fights, especially when it comes to the striking standpoint. And I think that was so highlighted by the picturesque knockout of Masvidal in the last fight on April 24th. So again, I just, I think that there have been strides made there and that Kamara is kind of progressing towards this level where again, now he's the number one pound for pound fighter on the planet and he's, starting to enter this territory where we're talking about him potentially as the greatest welterweight of all time, even over a guy like George St. Pierre. So what I'm expecting in this fight, and I'm going to give away an early lean on this one, Colby Covington is likely going to get finished, I think, at least third, fourth round. Somewhere in that range, uh, there's a lot of value on the round betting, but again, there's plenty of value at plus 130 on Kamara Usman to finish the fight inside the distance, so that's one of my early leans there, but Again, a really interesting fight. I think there are going to be moments for both guys on both sides, and I do think Colby's very dangerous, but a really, really fun stylistic matchup. Again, I'm looking forward to it, not necessarily going the same way as the first fight, but that's going to be the fun of it. We're going to see exactly which one of these guys has progressed more since that first point. And in the co-main event, Thug Rose Nama Yun is going for the second title defense of her career at strawweight. Going to be taking on Zhang Weili again in a rematch, and just a crazy fight the first time around again. Rose with the first round knockout, the high kick was absolutely incredible, splitting Whaley's guard. And when you look at the way that she won that fight, the actual strike itself, I mean, the setup to it, coming in with those low kicks and making Whaley have to brace for those again, it was, and then showing the exact same setup when you come in for the high kick, it was just masterful. And the way that she forced Whaley to have to guard that and then leave herself open up top, the timing was there, the speed was there. And what that says, at least going into this next fight, is that Rose Namajunas is probably a pretty good bet. Again, as an underdog here, I can't believe that they're not giving her this respect. Again, it's determined by the market. I believe she opened as a favorite, but Weili Zhang right now sitting at a minus 115 favorite here as I record this on Wednesday. So I think there's some value there, again, on Rose Namajunas. Minus 105. Uh, again, William Hill has her at minus 105 right now. So that could be a really fun money line to play. Again, the standard is there. She has defended the title against a uh, in a rematch after knocking out 
Joanna Jacek. So again, we know that she has the ability to come back and progress better from that first fight and face the same opponent again, managing to overcome that hill twice. The standard is there. The precedent is there rather for Rose Namajunas. And again, I think just the way that she showed, she really does have the timing and the speed and the technique over Wei Li Zhang in the striking realm. Going to show some dominance there. So uh, I'm riding again with Rose Namajunas and uh, I love her to win this fight in the co-main event. Prior to that co-main event is going to be Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler at lightweight and what is an apparent lightweight title eliminator. Um, the, the winner of this fight will apparently be fighting the winner of Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier for the lightweight championship. And Justin Gaethje sitting at a minus 210 favorite right now. I don't even know what to make of this fight as far as from a betting perspective. I'm just happy that I get to watch this. This is the fight that all of the fans, everybody has deserved, wanted to see. These guys are going to just throw, and they both hit like trucks. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be madness. These guys are going to go back and forth. They're both going to land their shots, and they're both going to hurt each other. So who wins in this one? I don't know, man. The fans. That's my. Those are my thoughts on Gaethje and Chandler. The one more fight I want to talk about on this card is Billy Quarantillo versus Shane Burgos. Burgos listed as a minus 200 favorite right now. Quarantillo coming back as a plus 160 underdog, and I think that there's some value on Billy Q here. Um, I do think that Burgos is overvalued. I think somehow he gained steam with that last knockout loss to Edson Barboza. Um, but Quarantillo has had a couple of really impressive performances. The one loss to Gavin Tucker. Again, Gavin Tucker is a killer. He's a guy who I hold in very high regard. He was able to solve the Spike Carlisle puzzle. The right cross went over Kyle Nelson. Gabriel Benitez, he dominated pretty much that entire fight. And the finish to that fight came mercifully in the third round. Um, so again, I, I think that Quarantillo is a guy who's going to be able to stand and trade with Burgos. I also think he's much better in the grappling department. I was very surprised to see him open as an underdog here. So that's another pick that I'm going to uh, give away for free here. Plus 160, Billy Quarantillo. I love him as an underdog in this fight. So those fights and a bunch of others to look forward to on UFC 268 this Saturday, November 6th. Again, prior to that, uh, Friday, November 5th, we are going to have Flex Fight Series 7 Battle Garden. That's going to be at the Stereo Garden in Patchogue. You can get tickets to that event via the link in my Instagram bio at Goose on the Call. You can also pre-order the pay-per-view via that same link. Go to flexfights.com to pre-order all of that. Um, other than that, check scotobets.com. We're going to have all the official picks up by Saturday morning for UFC 268. Uh, go make yourself some money by riding our picks. And uh, thank you all for listening. Looking forward to the next one.